0: For damn sure. Yes, 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 yes. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Tap Room Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Stackslots, <laughs> Stackslots, Stackslots. Joined with my guy, Mr. Aaron Kidd, live and direct from Lynchburg, Virginia. What's going on, AK? Jordan, how you doing tonight, man? It's going, man. It's going. Uh, just got done watching the Baylor game as you did. Tough L for the Baylor Bears. Dropped two straight. Uh, you know, they really fell apart there at the end. Could not get a fucking bucket, man. Couldn't get a bucket, and uh, it was a very uh, pro-Duke crowd, it seemed. So it was almost felt like a Duke home game. It was. Honestly, that game worried me a little bit, but I do think that Baylor was the right side because they were coming off that blowout loss to Michigan State. Usually those are the kind of spots you like to back good teams on, but, you know, Duke hasn't beaten a good team all year, really. And that kind of worried me going into this game because this was, like, an important game for Duke to kind of, like, finally figure things out. Um, Looks like they did at the end there. But uh, John Shire is still a fucking shitty coach, so that's that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it just seemed like Duke's kind of size kind of gave him problems at the end. And it just felt like Baylor's tenacity just wasn't there, man. It just felt like one of those games where, like you said, it was a get-right spot for Duke and Duke just wanted it a little bit more.
0: Yep. It looked like they did, too. It looked like they knew that it was a game that they like, kind of had to have um, in that spot. So it's interesting. We're going to be uh, updating games throughout the course of the show tonight. Um, we are being brought to you by Sharps, S-H-A-R-P-Z. Make sure to go download the app straight to your mobile device. Use promo code JORD517. It's free to download. Track your bets. Become a better better. Go do it. Um, and with that being said, you know, last week we were on here talking in college bowl season, and we've had a few go on. Uh, we were on the wrong side of New Mexico State, right side of UCLA, which was a fucking weird ass game. Dude, Garbers doesn't start, and then he comes in the second half and kind of takes over. And and that's really what I wanted to ask you, AK, because that's been a huge talking point of bull season this year. Is like we don't know who's gonna play like up till the minute. Like yesterday, we had no idea if Frank Harris was gonna go or not until literally like an hour before the game. Like. What is your thoughts on, on kind of how bowl season is, is going so far, and, and kind of what what's the strategy to kind of play it?
1: I think the first strategy you have to have is even more so than you do in a regular season. It's starting by picking your spots, right? So you can't come out and just start firing every bowl. You know, even if you're playing bowl games on good information, whether you're playing it on player opt-outs, motivation factor, whatever, whatever you're playing it on, that's great, you know, on top of your handicap, but – I feel like you have to, one, pick and choose your spots. Two, um, you have to really see, like, what the num- like what your number was for, like, a regular season game and see how that matches up, right? So, for instance, last night, if there's a fr- healthy Frank Harris on a neutral field, UTSA is probably laying 13-and-a-half with the way Marshall's season really, you know, kind of went down the stretch. I know they started off really good, but n- what – What no one was talking about was they were really banged up at the end of the season anyways, taking out the count, you know, counting for all the opt-outs. So, with that being said and done, that game's probably 13 and a half on a neutral field, um, you know, during the regular season. I thought at one point last night, if my my plan was last night, if it got below seven, I was actually going to buy back on it. Yeah. Because I didn't think it mattered who was the trigger man for UTSA, and ultimately was right. But I don't regret playing New Mexico State. That's a <laughs> wager I'd make every you know hundred times out of a hundred times. Jerry Kill, maybe we can blame his athletic director a little bit. Didn't no, that was, allow Jerry Kill to have it, his. That was New to Mexico's
0: play. athletic director. You have- yeah, yeah. <clears throat> University no, of New no, Mexico.
1: I'm going back to New Mexico State, I know you know we lost on that one, but I'd make that wager ten out of ten times. Yeah, I know Jerry Kill, uh, the athletic director, really didn't let uh you know let them be ready to play, but that's a different story. UCLA's a, a bet I would make ten out of ten times. Uh, had a little bad information on. We thought Ethan Garbers was going to start. He ultimately ended up playing, and was the difference. I mean, you get UCLA blows that team out by thirty points if Garber starts the whole game, right? Yeah, that was, um, that was weird why he didn't start. There's a lot of rumors that it was disciplinary action, so he must have missed curfew. Something happened to where they made him sit out the first half. Um, but my only regret, I would say, truly is, and I pitched this game on the show last week, well, was Miami of Ohio. Yep. I knew it was going to be a monsoon. I knew it was going to be ugly um i knew miami ohio's defense was elite i mean not even just for the mac i'm talking about in the whole country yeah um and so that was my only regret not playing i'd play new mexico state ucla
0: 10 times out of 10 times yeah i definitely like i thought new mexico state was definitely the right side i was absolutely shocked how they kind of showed up in that game and then that press conference after where jerry kill saying that new mexico's ad didn't like let them have the practice fields so, like they didn't practice for like a whole week and it kind of made sense. Like, it looked like they weren't prepared, you know what I mean? So, you know, that's kind of how bowl season goes sometimes. Like, you, it's a lot of weird shit. <laughs> that's, like, the easiest way to put it. Like, it's hard to handicap. Um, and then this year we have guys opting out, like, last minute, you know. So And then even Marshall, Marshall's running back, plays the first half and then sits out the second half. Like, What's the point of even well? That wondering? happened
1: with Western Kentucky. You know, we all knew Austin Reed was gone, right? Yep. Um. But they, uh, uh I'm I'm not gonna say his name, right? But it's Velton Camp. Yeah. We, you know, he was actually pretty highly recruited out of high school. Like, like <clears throat> I know him. Like I knew him already, and he wasn't supposed to play either. He's supposed to be on his way out. Next thing I know, he's in the game play, and leads him down back from twenty eight to nothing.
0: Yeah, man. If you had Old Dominion and. I'm sorry. Condolences. My condolences are out to you.
1: But once again, when you're talking about line movement, that game opened, I think, if I remember correctly, around a pickle. Yeah. Right? Maybe even Western Kentucky minus one, minus one and a half. Yep. It ran off all the way to, like, ODU minus six and a half.
0: Yep. And then came right? back down so, right before kick. Yeah,
1: but so, and I'm sure, I'm sure the reason why the number came back down is there was information who the trigger man was going to be. It wasn't going to be the red shirt freshman that hadn't played any, right? So I'm sure that was the line movement. But my point is at six and a half, there's no way that ODU did anything during the regular season on a neutral field to be laying six and a half against Western Kentucky. And that's what I'm talking about. At some point, there's an over, uh, I guess you could call it an overreaction, right? Yep. I think they're having an exaggerated line. line move because people are simply playing. Oh, they hear Austin Reed's out Austin Reed, even though he's a group of five players at household name, anyone that follows football, college football at all knows Austin Reed. They hear he's out. They hear his bet. Their best lineman that lineman's out. I still knew Malachi Corley was playing. We talked about that last week. Yep. I mean, there's still guys that could play ball, you know, doing that. And so at some point it comes an overreaction. And even so, when you're coming out playing bowl games, sometimes you're playing just simply numbers, all right. So let's just say you had um ODU plus uh uh one and a half in that game, right? Or whatever it opened up. There was you could have easily bought back to western Kentucky plus six and a half and had a chance for a touchdown seven and a half point middle.
0: Yep. That would have been that probably would have been the best thing to do too. But there was some rumors on Twitter like and that's why it came back down to four and a half was because there was rumors that Austin Reed may play like literally the day of, like it was yep. like people were saying, Oh, Austin Reed might go. And then, you know, right before kickoff, he doesn't go. And it was, uh, know, uh, both seasons, just crazy. Like you really have to stay up to date and almost, it's almost to the point where like, you know, we talked about CLV being meaningless. Now it truly is meaningless in bullseason season because, You have zero idea of what's going to happen right before the game. Like, literally, you might be better off waiting ten, five minutes before the game and making your bet based on the information up to date. So,
1: our good friend of the show, AC Money, he uh, told me this something a while back. And he said, during bowl season, live betting and second half betting is your favorite, it's like your best friend, right? And so, it's so true because, one, you can, you know, I'm not a middle kind of guy. You know, I'm just
0: not. Oh, I got you back, AK. What were you saying? You're not a middle kind of guy. I lost you right. Yeah, I was just. Yeah, I'm just saying. I wasn't. I'm
1: not a middle kind of guy. But my point of that is, is if you see a team isn't, you know, motivated, Right. right, or or doesn't feel like being there. Um, kind of like Cal. Cal came out early, see, you know, seemed like okay, but you kind of just felt like Texas Tech was going to take that game over and run away with it. That would have been a great opportunity to hop in when uh, I think California was up like fourteen to seven. Yeah. Think remember Jay Odd had run a touchdown or caught a touchdown, and it would have been a perfect spot to jump in on Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, so live betting, second half betting, could be your uh, you know, best friend during bowl season.
0: I agree. Um. All right. So, do you have any? Have you do you, have you had any like change of heart to any of the bowl games that we've talked about, or is there any bowl games that maybe we talked about that you have even more confidence in? Maybe you know, I know we both had some strong conviction on Michigan, and we've actually seen some some books have gone to like minus two, minus two and a half on Michigan. Um, a lot of people must have listened to the show. <laughs> That's right, man. Taproom sports is moving lines, um,
1: sort of, Jordan. So. um you know, I bet SMU early on, like minus 10. Yep. Um, I think I even have some minus nine and a halves out there. Um, bet that on the, the news that um, well, one, we knew Moorhead was gone, but we knew their starting running back who got banged up at the end of the season, he was gone, plus their backup running backs gone. Um, so after all that news, we played it on there. The line had jumped all the way up to like 12 and a half. But we figured Preston Stone wasn't going to play, right? I mean, we we knew that was a season in an injury. Yeah. It was never confirmed, but we knew it. You know, we're not brain dead. And so <laughs> um, we played uh, minus nine and a half, minus 10. Um, I think it's back down to like 11, 11 and a half now. I'm still happy with that. I don't think it matters who's the trigger man for SMU or Boston College. I think that uh, SMU is pissed off. They feel like they were shafted from, uh, you know, playing Oregon in the bowl game. Uh, and so I think SMU is going to come out and lay the lay the wood to them. Um, so I don't regret that at all. I'm happy with that. Uh, at, at some point, you know, I, as I said, I'm not a middle guy, but at some point if the line just keeps getting way out of hand, um, you know, I have Missouri plus two and a half, plus two – money line you know so at some point Ohio State might be opportunity to buy back someone on that just because at the end of the day we're still talking about Ohio State right yep. um where you talk about all the motivation factor I know Missouri wants to win that game but at some point it becomes an overreaction um but I'm gonna throw one actually that I, I'm that I am very close to betting and it's Duke why Duke I know that I know I know all the talk Mike Elko he's gone Riley Leonard everybody's gone, right? Why in the world would anybody want to bet Duke, right? And if you see Troy is getting hammered, that line has just gotten steamed all the way up. I'm seeing like seven and a half, seven eights out there half. now, right? And so my point of that is, is as I said earlier in the season, if you were making your line during the regular season, even when Riley Leonard was hurt, okay, I'm so take Riley Leonard out of the equation, and Duke was playing Troy on a neutral field, would you make the game Troy minus seven and a half, minus eight?
0: No, but I, Duke is loot. There are going to be missing like six defensive starters as well, and I, that was a stout I, defense. I still think that
1: Troy should never be laying minus seven and a half against Duke. I, I really don't. And and it's always that well, the the players who's left they want to play off, you know, play up for their coach coming in. Um, there's a lot of motivation back there, and so that just goes back to what I was saying earlier. When when I make that line. Even with no trigger man, even with the, the injuries on defense, Troy minus one and a half, minus two and a half. You're gonna give me a free touchdown with the Blue Devils.
0: I like the Blue Devils. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any conviction in that game either way, but it's just it's it's tough. But I mean like again, like you know, we kinda said the same thing about Georgia Southern. We were like, you know, that's probably the best side to play because Ohio's missing all these players and it didn't even end up mattering. You know what I mean? Like Ohio still fucking won the game outright, so and there it go, goes again, you know, based off information,
1: Ohio's trigger man was gone. They had a couple offensive linemen gone. If you're playing simply on that, man, um, you know, you're not always going to be on the right side of it. Uh, I'm still happy with my biggest bet, which is Arizona. I, I think I think Oklahoma has no motivation to be there at all. I think Oklahoma had, you know, they wanted to win the Big 12 one more time right off into the sunset, right? Yep. And that obviously didn't happen. Gabriel's gone. Their best two offensive linemen's gone. Their best two
0: running backs are gone. And I
1: think Arizona wants to prove that their season wasn't a fluke,
0: right? Yeah, I agree. Um, is it still confirmed Bo Nix is playing in the bull game? Uh I have not looked at it since this past
1: weekend, but as of this weekend, everything I was hearing it was that he was playing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it still says that he's playing.
1: Yeah, And I think that you know that's baked into the
0: number. Bucky Irving is is uh out though. Yes, yeah, that, that was confirmed early on, yeah, or earlier. And Troy Franklin also not playing, so that's that's another big loss, too. I, I, I I'll honestly, be honest, Jordan, I don't want anything to do with that game, personally. Yeah, me either, and I, I still, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Bo Nix doesn't play. Like, we talked about it before, like, remember what happened with Matt Corral? You know what all I mean? Right. Like, it, it has zero benefits to Bo Nix to play in this game. Zero. It doesn't benefit him at all. It just makes no sense why he would play in this game.
1: You know, the only thing is I can understand the thinking of I got waxed by Washington twice, you know, and and he wants to put on a good show. You know, he wants to leave on a high note. I just feel like Bo Nix is one of those kind of guys that, like,
0: doesn't want to just ride off into the sunset with a loss, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Someone just texted me they were listening to our show last night, and they said, "Dude, you're you're crazy with the Nick Bosa comments." Because we were talking, oh, we're, would you have some Nick Bosa comments? Hilarious. We were talking about the white versus black uh, Rashard <laughs> Mendenhall, and I I said Nick Bosa would skip the Super Bowl to play in that game. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure you texted our group text. You would have twenty sacks in that game, and uh,
1: easily kind of lost it, screaming. <laughs> oh <laughs>
0: man. Uh, let's talk some college basketball, AK. Um, what's your thoughts on, because we haven't, we haven't really talked about college basketball at all this year. What's your thoughts on, on the season? Um, kind of thus far, like teams you're high on teams, you may be overvalued to begin the year teams, you undervalued. Um, well, I mean, I'm not ready to take a victory (laughs)
1: lap yet, but I, I went on this show before the season started and I was really high on Grand Canyon. Uh, and, and I got the chance to see them live um here in Lynchburg, beat a very good Liberty team. It was Liberty's first loss in 21 home games. Yep. Um Grand Canyon just finds a way, man. You got a healthy black shear back now. Um I, I'll be honest, man. I, I would I would hate to be a power five school playing them on the 710 line or the eight nine line. Like I really would. You know, yeah. I would uh you're gonna get a maximum effort. And man, you talk about fans. I've been to a lot of basketball games in my life, Jordan. Been a lot of, uh, you know, power five games, mid-major games. Never seen fans like that. You know, uh, they were – they actually chartered private jets from the university all the way across the country to Lynchburg to funnel fans in there. Like, it was – it's unbelievable for a mid-major. So, um, a lot of respect for them. I like Grand Canyon a lot. I think they're tough. Um, uh, Another team that we talked about some is Oklahoma. You know, and and I know a lot of people. If you went on the Twitter verse today, it was on North Carolina. I did not play the game, but I actually leaned to Oklahoma. Um, I have a I have a future on Oklahoma plus six thousand to win the uh, national championship. So um, another <laughs> team I'm under. I, I I didn't really undervalue. I just didn't know a lot about. Was Colorado? I'm pretty impressed by Colorado as well right now, Jordan. Colorado or Colorado State? Colorado. I like Colorado. Yeah, they're, I saw what their bigs, their front court did to Miami,
0: destroyed them. Yeah, <clears throat> they're um and they did it without uh Cody Williams too, which was pretty impressive. Right. Um, no, Colorado is a a good team. I actually thought they were. I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought they were gonna be better. I, I know they hit they hit like a little bumpy bumpy part in the road early on, but then they they actually started playing Cody Williams more, and that's when they really started to pick it up. Um, it was that Colorado State game actually. Colorado State was leading by like 12. Cody Williams played the entire second half. It was actually a close game down to the wire. Um, And that was really where Colorado season, I feel like kind of took it kind of took a turn for the better. Um, But yeah, they're going to be a tough, they're going to be a tough out for sure. They got a lot of talent out there. I mean, I would say like the team I, I undervalued the most coming into the year by far Colorado state. Like I didn't think that team was going to be that good. And here they are fucking 10 and one. They have some incredible wins, dude. They have wins against Creighton on a neutral Colorado. Uh, they have wins they beat Washington and they barely lost to St. Mary's. <clears throat> and they had a lot of they had some injuries in that game. So uh Nico Medved doing a great job out there in in Fort Collins. I think Colorado State's really good. Um I definitely overvalued U.S. my Trojans, man. I thought they were gonna be a lot better. <clears throat> Andy Enfield, dude, he just that dude can't coach, bro. Like, he's definitely a lame duck, dude. He's getting fired at the end of the year. I've heard from like really close sources that if they don't make it out the first round, that he's definitely he's gone. And and their recruiting is showing it right now because they're like 40th in in uh, recruiting this year, <clears throat> and that kind of tells me that like recruits are very unsure if he's going to be coaching there next year. Obviously, he's going to go out there and recruit like he's going to be there, but. It it shows a little bit of uncertainty there. Um, as far as uh, <clears throat> Andy Enfield going. Um you know, Houston, also another team I undervalued. You know, they lost um um what's his face? Uh Marcus Sasser from last year. They're even better, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that team is better than last year. They're they could legit win the fucking national title and coming into the season that was something I would not have told you. Um, I, I think Connecticut, I definitely don't think they're as good as last year. They lost tonight to Seton Hall at Seton Hall. I thought they, you know, they lost to uh, Kansas. I thought they could have lost a couple other games, but, you know, they ended up pulling through. Also, for some reason, AK, Danny Hurley cannot coach in close games. Like, that team either blows a team out or they fucking lose. Like, there's no in-between. They yep. either win by, like... It was like, like that last year, yeah. Yep, they either win by double digits or they, they fucking lose, dude. There's, like, no in-between. Um... What's your what's your thoughts on on Yukon?
1: You know, I like UConn, man. Um hit a nat, hit a gnarly ticket on them to win it all last year. Yep. Um sorry, <laughs> my cat keeps walking across my laptop tonight, Jordan. I apologize. Nah, you're um good. <laughs> his name's Who, so he's definitely for the Wahoos. Um I, I think UConn, you know, once again. We're talking about a team that won the national championship last year. Let's not forget they went on a stretch where they lost six out of eight Big East games last year. This team has never been perfect. Um, and so, you know, the loss tonight doesn't, doesn't scare me away. Um, the They beat a very well-coached Gonzaga team. I don't think Gonzaga's is maybe where they've been in prior seasons. Um, but I did want to bring up, you asked me earlier, another team that I kind of undervalued coming into the season. Um, maybe I overvalued St. Mary's kind of oh, hopped yeah. off their train right now. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Team I kind of had scored.
1: to get off, uh, get off that bus while the bus still had wheels on it. And um, <laughs> I don't know, man, I can't figure out that team. They just struggle offensively. So, but you know what that team reminds me of some years of UVA, you know, if, if you watched a lot of UVA basketball over the years, you've seen some great defensive teams and, and some great offensive teams, but not many. And so that's what that St. Mary's team reminds me of is as is a, Is a UVA team, you know, maybe 2016, 2017, where they came out, they played good defense. You know, they're only going to allow 48 points a game, but the problem was could
0: they score 50? Yep. I think Randy Bennett, and it's funny that Randy Bennett and Tony Bennett are both the coaches of those teams, but (laughs) uh, Randy Bennett, like, he's so stubborn in, like, the way he plays that, like, I feel like with the guards they have in Marshall and and Aiden Mahaney, like they should play at a little bit faster of a pace, and that doesn't mean like go at a breakneck breakneck pace, like where you're you're averaging like you know under 14 seconds per possession. But like there's times where like they get numbers and they pull it out and run shot clock just to like not get a good shot. Like you should be you should go after and get the best shot available, whether that's running a fast break or not. You want to get the best shot, and I think sometimes. To Randy Bennett's detriment, they pull it out too much and run too much clock. Um, and I think it would really benefit them to be to run at a faster pace. And th- there's teams on the flip side of it. Like I'm watching Western Kentucky against Cal Baptist last night, and Western Kentucky is like up by 20, yet off makes and misses, like they're taking these bad shots without numbers, and it's like, bro, you're up 20 and you're taking bad shots, and you're just giving more possessions to Cal Baptist, and what do you know? Cal Baptist comes back, and it's a one-possession game at the end. And I think there has to be a balance with pace, and a lot of teams in college basketball, like they're so fixated on the way they play that they don't play with pace. They don't play to the, the pace of the game, and I think it costs a lot of teams in the long run. You know, St. Mary's on one side, on the antithesis, you had a team like Western Kentucky, and there's a lot more teams nowadays like Western Kentucky that just play at a breakneck pace, you know, up and down the floor. And while that can be good and get you easy shots, sometimes you're letting your opponent get back into the game because you're giving them more possessions throughout the course of the game. So that's something You know, Jordan, that's a, that's a good point, man. I mean, I've said that about some of Tony Bennett's teams
1: over the years, is at some point you're almost being tunnel vision. You know, to only wanting to play one way, right? At some point, it's the game of basketball. You got to let the game come to you, right? Yep. You know, you you get a steal and get out in transition. You got numbers two on one, three on two, three on one. Let's let's make a good pass, right? Let's put the ball in the hoop and go back and play defense again, right? And it's so many times with Tony Bennett, he wants his guys to just pull it out, reset. You know, it just kills, you know, it kills the morale, if you will. You know, we should be having a showtime dunk. Right. Yep. You know, or a, or a oop coming down the court to get the crowd going and we're pulling it out here. We're going to run half court. It's it's almost frustrating. But it's because I think those coaches are so I don't know if the word stubborn is the right way, but like they're just so concentrated on getting their kids to buy into playing defense, which OK. Yeah. in the game of basketball on today, maybe it's tougher to get kids to buy into really playing defense. You know, like how maybe we came up, yep. um, but you still got to be able to score the ball, man. You know, it's great. If you allow forty points, you still gotta score forty one.
0: Yep. But you also gotta you also gotta you gotta get stops. You know, at the end of the day, well, you've sure, right. you gotta get stops. And you can't just hope your opponent misses. And that's what I feel like most college teams nowadays it's like we're just gonna outscore you. And on the flip side, AK too, you know, Gonzaga, that's kinda how they always been. And this year they're actually playing defense, but they they really don't have a guy that can that can get a bucket. You know, Anton Watson might be their best offensive player, um, but I mean, I've and watched. Then
1: Bard would. I mean, he he's so frustrated. Even going back to his um, days of great days, yep. it's so
0: frustrating. He's uh, he's like he he turns the ball over way too fucking much for my liking for a point guard. He makes a lot of bad decisions, and um, he's he's hella short too. I'm not a fan of of short guards. If you've ever heard me talk about Hawaii, you'll you'll know mm-hmm. they play four midgets at, at the guard, and like I just think you're you're at a disadvantage when you have guys that short because a anytime they drive the ball, it's gonna be harder for them to attack the rim and, and actually get a good shot off because they're gonna be going amongst the trees, and then b like they're gonna be relying so much on outside shots and, and bad shots at that that it's a little difficult sometimes. So not a big and that's fan actually of small that's guys. actually a
1: good a good team to bring up when you're saying. That's a team that almost slows the ball down too much. You know, they should use those guards to attack more like they did in the first half of that Nevada game the other night. The second half, they wanted to go slow. They wanted to run offense, and they couldn't get easy buckets. You know, it was sometimes where they would get, a, you know, a, a rebound, a long rebound at the three-point line, simply got to go up, got numbers three on one, and they would just pull the ball out and want to run a 30-second, you know, shot clock. It's just – it was mind-blowing. Um, I would do want to bring up Cal State Northridge, man, in an 11-year drought against the Pac-12 on UCLA last night. Shout-out to our good friend Keith Landry down in the bayou for uh, sending some information, uh, mine and our good friend Trigger's way. So that was a nice little uh, wish I would have had some money line. I'm pretty sure the money line was plus 2,500 before the game, but got a nice little plus 17 and a half there. So shout-out to them. That was a good game. I fell asleep with about 12 minutes to go, but was happy to wake up a winner.
0: Oh, man, I was, I was watching that game. I could not believe what I was seeing. I mean, Cal State Northridge led the entire game after it was – UCLA led 2-0 and then never led again. It was all Cal State Northridge. Um, you know, CSUN's doing some incredible things this year. Uh, on the flip side, UCLA, a very young team this year, which is, you know, very not what they've been the last few years is, you know, they had Jaime Hawkes and, and Tiger Campbell and, and company. Um. So it's going to be a long year for Mick Cronin, man. That was an ugly game, bro. Ugly game. Very unlike Mick Cronin, Uh That's all I can say about that. Back to Hawaii, real quick. I do want to say one thing is, uh, you know, Aaron Gano, the head coach of Hawaii, he did he did coach under Randy Bennett for what it's worth. So that's where that's where his style is. Right. Went. Yes. Yeah. That's right. But Hawaii, for to his point, to his credit, Hawaii is playing at a faster pace than they were last year. I just think Hawaii's biggest issue, bro, is like they're just they're really small. Like they're small in the front court and they're not deep. So if they get a foul or two, if they get one guy in foul trouble in the front court, they're kind of fucked. Um, but that's kind of how a lot of these smaller schools are. They aren't really deep in the front court. And then in the back court, they're just they're tiny, dude, and that's it's always going to be a problem when they have to play bigger teams. Like they're going to struggle in Big West play when they got to play a team like UC Santa Barbara Who's got AJ Mitchell? Who's a six six guard? You know what I mean. Like who's going to guard him? And that's kind of their that was their problem against Keenan Blackshear on Sunday. It was like they they don't have anyone that can guard Keenan Blackshear. And like you still you need Cam- J.K. McCoy, former Wahoo.
1: You know he's an undersized forward.
0: Yeah, but that's the problem is like then you're leaving forwards. You know being guarded by. Oh no, like I, a, I know that. No,
1: I agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> because they did oh. for a for a point they did put. McCoy on Keenan Blackshear, but then it was just uh-huh. leaving Davidson and, and all the bigs wide open underneath. And like, they couldn't really do anything to, to stop him. So I don't know. Like I like Hawaii. I think Aaron Gonneau is a great coach, but I, I think they're going to struggle in conference play, dude. I think they're going to struggle against UC Irvine. Uh, CSUN now, like Northridge is going to have something to say about the big West this year. Long beach state is a great team as well. Um, the Big West is actually a, a really good conference man. And you know Long Beach beat USC, that's a quad one win. CSUN beat UCLA, that's a quad one win. This could be a two a two big conference at the end of the day maybe. Maybe. Wouldn't that be great? That would be crazy. I don't think that's ever happened in my lifetime. Ever.
1: Uh you know, hey, shout out to the Bigs, a uh, Big South, my conference. I uh yeah, couple big wins. High point beat UNC Greensboro last night. Um, Rafford with the big win tonight over West Virginia. Um, so happy to see that conference. That conference wide open, man. I think I think Longwood's gonna have something to say. Um, you know, they're always at the top of it. Uh high points playing very well, and they might cover every game this year. Um <laughs> but when Rafford, when Rafford can when Rafford's shooting
0: the lights out, man,
1: Rafford's a tough team to beat. So
0: yeah, they, they take a lot of bad shots though. Like, if those so don't go in, man, it's different. And I and on the flip side, like, you know me, like I love I think what Raekwon battle, I think the world of that kid, I mm-hmm. think I think he's me a, too. I think he's a great fucking player. Um but but they're inexperienced together as a team, like because Kirk Kharisa, Raekwon Battle, Noah Farkin, like they haven't played a ton of games, even Acot A like they haven't played a ton of games together and it really showed. Um, On both sides of the ball, really, like, there was a lot of miscommunication on defense, on rotations, which led to a lot of offensive rebounds for Radford, which led to easy buckets, and then you got Kirk Carissa, that motherfucker still sucks, dude, like, I fucking can't stand that guy, he's one of the worst (laughs) point guards in the country, dude, like, that dude makes so many bad passes, and, like, that was his problem last year, dude, and then he gets in his head, and once he gets in his head, like, he stops making shots, and he... Like, he just doesn't play with confidence. And once he doesn't play with confidence, he's not the same guy. And, like, I saw, I watched it tonight. The same thing happened. Like, he made a couple of bad turnovers, which led to fucking buckets on the other end. And, you know, at one point, West Virginia had, like, a five-point lead. And they're going down on a fast break. And he throws a boneheaded alley-oop, dude. Like, a stupid pass, bro. And the defender's right there. He, like, throws it over. I forget the dude. Uh... uh Forget who who he threw it to, but he threw it over the dude's head, bro. Like like two feet over his head, and that was when Radford made that comeback, and, and they ended up winning the game. So I I think as far as West Virginia is concerned, like it's going to take them a few games to kind of get right offensively, but once they do, like that's a talented team, dude. Oh, there's gonna there,
1: that's gonna be a bet on team moving forward. Me and Trigger <clears throat> were together going to the Hampton game on Saturday, and uh, he actually liked them against UMass the other day. Um, but that was before we found out Battle wasn't going to play, but that's going to be a better team in, in the coming
0: weeks. Yeah, I think that team's going to be – I think they're going to be dangerous in conference play, um, especially because, like, they have a good home court advantage. I know they lost at home today, but you got to remember, students are out of – they're not on campus right now for a lot of these schools. Um, Providence had a lot of students on campus last night, and then they probably all left. You know what I mean? So – that's one thing to keep an eye on for the next couple weeks. Is a lot of these, a lot of these schools, man. If they have true home games, they're not really true home games because a lot of students are not on campus. Not on campus. Uh, watched it today with the Cal game, man. That's a good point. There was like nobody at that Cal game. <laughs> what? Oh man! If you yeah, had Cal, if you had Old Dominion, and then had Cal today. Oof. Oh my god, dude! I I would probably fucking <laughs> blow something up, dude. That. It's- same <clears throat> that is probably like they were up by 26 AK with like 10 minutes to go in the first half and just imploded dude. I've never seen anything like, well I've seen a lot like that, but that was crazy. That was crazy. Um, What other, uh, so we got some, we got some college, we got some uh, college hoops turn. We got the diamond head classic starting tomorrow which is uh, in Hawaii, AK. Um, We have, I know Nevada, Hawaii is there. Who else is playing in that Uh, tournament? Portland, Pilots, uh, UMass, Georgia Tech. Who else do we got there?
1: I'm actually excited for that Portland-Hawaii game. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited for that one. I'll tell you one that I have circled tomorrow, Jordan. I haven't played anything yet uh i'm actually trying to find a line for this game but i still haven't but something that i saw as soon as maine got blown out by central florida the other night um they're staying in florida playing florida international tomorrow um i think it might be another by spot on maine I, I know i keep coming back with the black bears but i think uh, i'm either three and zero or four no betting them this year so um looking to maybe hop in on that game um uh, maybe not pre-flop, but maybe at halftime or something. See, see, you know, I like I like those halftime bets in college basketball. I mean, you talk about them all the time because you kind of come out and see the flow of the game. Or let's just say in a, a situation you've got a team that you liked beforehand that was maybe minus nine and a half, and you're like, man, I really don't want to come out and lay nine and a half, right? Yep. You know, um, and then you come out, they're up by two at halftime, but you saw they went three of 14 from three, and you're like, oh, you know, and the other team, you know, shot nine of 12, you're like, hold on, these two, you know, it's going to regress back to the mean. And, and, you know, the second half line is minus three and a half. And you're like, okay, you're telling me you're going to give me three and a half more better points than I could have pre-flop. That's what I like hopping in on that, uh, you know, on said team.
0: Yep. I like that too. Especially like if you're, I like it too, when you're on a dog, especially a big dog and like, say they have like a 10 point lead or eight to 10 points. And then Obviously, the favorite on the other side is going to be like, you know, minus six and a half, seven coming back the other way. Sometimes it's a good middle spot. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like you can get there too. Um, it's it's just tough sometimes, like because uh, first half, like I feel like college basketball is a tale of two halves a lot. Like one half mm-hmm. goes one way, and the second half goes a completely different way. So for me, it's like it's tough to. Uh, kind of get, gauge the flow of the game, but I think you I think you do make a great point where it's like if a team's shooting eighty six percent from three in the first half, I mean it's you know, conventional logic tells you they're not going to shoot eighty six percent for the entire game. So it is good to Hey, learn. Jordan, actually DraftKings does have a lineup for that game. Main plus two.
1: Um I feel like that that's definitely a, a wrong team favorite situation there. Um so I, I'll probably be looking to, to you know to hop in on, on something on that game at some point. FI. I like the main black bears. Uh,
0: I guess the young folks too.
1: call it a the young folks call it a wagon, right? Yep. So uh I guess that'll be one of my wagons this year.
0: <laughs> um <clears throat> we got Nevada at Temple tomorrow at nine a.m. uh your time, twelve PM my time. Which is Yeah, also... Temple
1: with the crazy backdoor cover at VCU last week. Last uh, Saturday. Did you watch oh, that? Oh yeah,
0: dude, I did. I saw it on Bad Beats uh after yeah. the football <laughs>
1: Scott Van Pelt had it uh pretty sure it was number one on bad beats. Uh if you were on VCU minus nine and a half. So Yeah, that was a that was brutal, man.
0: That was brutal. And yeah, that, I'm
1: I'm pretty sure what was the VCU was up by fourteen with like twenty
0: seconds to go or twenty three <laughs> seconds to go. And they don't cover nine and a half. Yep. Uh that I don't think that's worse than that fucking Jacksonville and uh U, uh UL Monroe game on on Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah, we need to get that guy
1: on our pod just to kind of go through the emotions of sweating out at eleven a.m. under
0: to lose it like that. Oh my god, dude! Could you imagine that when I was, <laughs> <clears throat> when I saw that? Even because I saw a lot of people on Twitter like they took UL Monroe in that game, right? So you know, I'm like I'll watch games in my office, like you know, even if I don't have action, like I'll watch them if it's the only thing on, right? So I'm like I'm watching that game at the end, and I'm like. You know, I know UL Monroe closed plus seven, and, you know, they are they were losing by five points with, like, 25 seconds, so, like, normally a team's just going to f- dribble out the clock, right? It's under, it's under 30 seconds, so there's a technical foul, and Jacksonville shoots two free throws and make them, so they're up seven, or I'm sorry, six, and then it was eight, and then after that, that dude dunks the ball and makes it a 10-point game, so... If you had the under, you lost. If you had UM Monroe, you lost, and like both of them were pretty bad beats, dude. Like, I would be Oh my god, I'd be furious, bro. I would be so mad. Oh um, man, one out. And then and,
1: and then imagine going from that and transitioning over to having old Dominion. Oh my god, dude.
0: <laughs> and then transition over to that and imagine if you had the, the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday too. I'm glad to have been on the Seahorses.
1: <laughs> An old man told me one time, he said, sometimes the right side isn't the winning side, but the winning side is the only side that
0: pays. That's right. Uh, tomorrow, Detroit Mercy at Central Michigan. Detroit Mercy's is 0-11, AK, and they're 1-10 against the spread. You think they got a chance to get in their first one? I think tomorrow? that team is
1: missing Antoine Davis some kind of bet. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, I think they
0: got Earths uh, suiting up at the fives for him. So, oh my god, that team's so bad. I bet on them. <laughs> I bet on them plus seven against Oakland, and they went on like a twelve minute stretch where they didn't score a fucking point. That was so bad, dude. Oh uh, yeah. While we're
1: on the subject, man, before we transition, I uh, another game that um, that I was that I'm looking at tomorrow is, and I'm trying to find it right here. We talked about Portland, Hawaii. Oh, Hofstra, UNLV. Um, UNLV coming off of a game where uh, they kind of went toe-to-toe with St. Mary's. Um, probably had at least 50 chances to win that game. Uh, probably should have never came back in that game, but St. Mary's let them back in. But had multiple chances to pull out a crazy upset. Um Also, the team that our good friend Mark Zeno has been high on all year, so I've been following them. They came off a win against a very gritty Norfolk State team. So excited to see that one tomorrow. Um, I think that one could have some
0: fireworks. Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of this UNLV team. I'm not going to lie. They're – like they've been better as of late. But I feel like this is how they they started off the year last year. Like, last year they were, like, terrible defensively to start the year. And then they, like, really picked it up defensively. And, like, we've seen that since the Creighton game. Like, they're, they're a completely different team up until that Creighton game. And now they're, like, a different team. So it's tough to say, like, as to where they are. Like, are they a team? Are they that team before the Creighton game? Or are they the team after the Creighton game? Like, I don't know. Are they in
1: BC? Well you brought up a good point not to bring up the tragedy, but you know, you said before that game you're like, man, this team's gonna get up and do it for the community, you know, after the tragedy what happened at uh their campus. So
0: yep. take that with a
1: grain of salt, but it plays a part into it.
0: It does, and then you know, Hofstra is a East Coast team, they're coming over to Vegas, maybe they're a little distracted um, yep. with the bright lights and everything going on. So what I don't know what's the line? Is there a line out?
1: mm mm-hmm. Probably. probably. Um, and I was going to ask you too, Jordan, what do you think of Santa Clara and your your alma mater, San Jose State tonight?
0: Oh, I like San Jose State in that spot. I think it's too many points. This game opened one and got bet all the way to four and a half.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I think Santa Clara, just because of their recent success and, and putting guys in the NBA, like they just naturally take money, like whether it's the right spot or not.
0: Yeah, and they've kind of it, like they, – they started off the year like really good and – They've kind of, like, fallen back to earth a little bit. Um, they're still a really talented team. Like, Carlos Marshall's really a solid player. Uh, but, you know, you look at their wins and, like, you know, that game against Oregon. Like, Oregon's missing uh, Nate Biddle. They're missing Fonte. Like, they're missing a lot of guys in that game. So
1: it's... Hofstra plus
0: four, Jordan. Hofstra plus four? Yeah. Eh, that it feels about right. Feels right. Yeah. I don't have a ton of conviction there, but yeah, I, I like San Jose State tonight. I think I think it's gonna be a close game. San Jose State's played like shit, though. By the way, <laughs> like they haven't been very good uh, since losing the Cal Poly. That, that team's kind of falling apart. Well, what's his
1: face? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say, man. Ever since him, I think they won the get the, the first game after he got injured, and then like
0: lost a few. Yeah, they've been pretty bad without Viola. They've been struggling. They don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of depth, dude. That's a problem this year. And obviously when you lose Amari Moore, you know, Amari Moore might be the program's best player in the history of that program. And you lose him yeah. last year to the NBA. And it's like, you don't really have a guy to step up and, and replace that kind of production. So we'll see. Tim Miles is doing a great job though. He's, he's turned that program around. This is the best that program's ever been in my life. So, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. It's interesting to watch <clears throat> after we hop off here. I'm i I'm going to watch that game and, Hopefully watch my Spartans get a dub.
1: Yeah, I think it's the right side there. I I was actually kind of thrown off by the line movement, but I almost jumped in. I saw it earlier. Like midday was like plus three, plus three and a half. And I kind of leaned that way.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if it was like minus one, like it opened at definitely lean Santa Clara. I think Santa Clara is a better team. but I just think four and a half is like way too many points, dude.
1: And I and I naturally just think Santa Clara just gets bet now just because.
0: Yeah, they're they're kind of one of those teams. Just like your Grand Canyon is going to be soon. Hey, they didn't cover. Sam Houston covered. Did you see that? Did they? Yeah. What was the final score? Oh, uh, 76-64, yeah. Bro, I knew Sam Houston was covering that game. Grand Canyon coming off three Sam- straight ATS wins.
1: San Jose State's up two nothing. There you go, Jordan. Don't look behind. Don't look. Don't look behind you now.
0: Don't look now. <laughs> End the game. End the game. Two nothing. That's right. Blow the whistle. Stop the count. <laughs> Before we get out of here, AK, I do want to talk some baseball, some major league baseball, real quick? Um, your Yankees. Because we haven't talked about your Yankees since. What do you think about the you know Juan Soto trade and they're in on Yoshi no decision made yet. Apparently Irv thinks it's going to be the Dodgers. He thinks everyone's going to sign with the Dodgers though. So, Yeah. Mickey
1: Mantle's rising from the dead and signing with the Dodgers.
0: I mean, Irv thinks it, I'm just going to be, Um, it's going to be great when the Dodgers lose in the divisional series. Yep, Just wash, rinse, repeat. No, man, to
1: answer your question, Jordan, you know, I like Juan Soto. I loved him, uh, you know, being a local guy here, he was kind of, you know, the hometown hero, if you will. Uh, Young kid, played for the Washington Nationals for a long time in my back door. Um, Loved him then. Thought the trade of the Padres, man. I thought that was big for the Padres. Thought, okay, Padres going to, you know, pair him up with Tatis. Um, And Machado was already there. I was like, okay, this this makes sense, man. You know, I mean, I would argue that the San Diego Padres probably had the best one to four top of the lineup guys, maybe in the league. And uh, it was kind of, kind of, you know, discouraging to see them underperform all year, but um, I think that's what the Yankees needed. You know, everybody always wants to talk about the splash move, and the Yankees are always going to overspend and stuff, but really they haven't. Nope, the Yankees only- have been very quiet this year. Yep. Um, in that, and I, and I know that is in you know preparation, trying to you know give Yoshi three trillion billion dollars, <laughs> but um, you know, I think getting Juan Soto and what they gave up, I I, I don't
0: hate it. Yeah, no, you know? they didn't have to give up that much because Soto's only on a year. He's a year rental technically, but it's not like it's not like the Yankees can't re-sign him. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and it just feels like that Soto's the type of guy that re with the Yankees. Right. Now, now if Soto's getting traded to the, you know, I hate to say this, your Florida Marlins, <laughs> you know. I don't know if Juan Soto resigns there. I'm just using that as an yeah, example, no, it's, right? to a, yeah, so a smaller market team. But Juan Soto is the type of guy that wants to be in a bigger market team. Let's face it, the Washington Nationals, San Diego Padres are two small market teams. He hasn't been on a big market team. Um, and I think it's his time to shine. And 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 I think if you've got a healthy Aaron Judge, um I think if DJ's healthy, you know, DJ LeMahieu struggled with injuries the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Judge has struggled with injuries. But I think if you put that top line up, I think Volpe's going to take another, uh, you know, leap this year. I think you got a good, solid court team there, man. And um, the biggest thing is we got to sew up the pitching. You know, I hated giving up uh, Michael King. Um, that was the one part that I was like, okay. But you still got Jarrett Cole, and everybody said Garrett Cole was going to regress last year. He went out and had a side young type season.
0: He didn't have a Cy Young type um, season. He had a Cy Young. Oh, no, season. he had he had a Cy season,
1: right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And so he didn't regress. Everybody was waiting for Cole to regress. You remember some of those games? I was hammering the Yankees. People were getting steamed. They were opening like minus one sixty. Was running off minus one twenty with Garrett Cole pitching in the perfect spot and Yankees smash. So um, I think Yo should be a great piece. Uh, and it's nice not seeing the Yankees just overspending just for anyone, right? They're not just buying a name right now. So anyone that says that, man, has obviously not been following the Yankees the last few years.
0: Yeah, and I agree. Um, I, I think it's a great move. Juan is one of my favorite players in the league just because he's, like, such a disciplined hitter, especially, like, at his age. Like, you don't see that very often. Um, and as far as Volpe goes, Volpe is probably going to bat lead off. And if, if he can't hit lead off in front of Soto and, and judge, I mean, that pretty much tells you he's, he's not it. So I think it's, I think it's a good gauge for the Yankees as far as he's concerned too, because then if he does struggle, they can kind of, you know, shift priorities a different way maybe. And, uh, you know, get off him for, you know, season vet or something. So be interesting to see how the year goes, uh, with the Yankees. I mean, that's a, that's a tough division, man. That is a very tough division the AL East because, you know, the Orioles are only I think it's by far better. the best best division in baseball. Easily. Orioles are only getting better. Uh, the yeah. Red Sox got a lot of top prospects coming up, like Marcello Meyer. Um, obviously, they had Tristan Casas come up last year. So they got a lot of young talent coming up. And then you got um, you got the Rays, obviously. The Rays will always be the Rays. And then the Blue Jays, you know what I mean? Like, so that's a, that's a tough, tough division, A.K., Tough division. I got one
1: for you, Jordan. Where's Robbie? I mean, uh, where's Blake Snell going?
0: I think he eventually I think if if the Giants don't get Yoshi, I think he goes to the Giants.
1: There was a lot of talk of the Yankees wanting
0: him and Yoshi. Yeah, that's a lot of money though.
1: Could you imagine it? Cause but that is so that's the move that the Yankees would make, right? You know, we talk about they haven't made a lot of free agent signings. They've kind of, you know, been hush-hush about everything. Can you imagine a starting lineup that involved in some form Garrett Cole, Yoshi, and Blake Snell? Oh, it'd be
0: nasty, dude. I think the biggest concern with Blake Snell, though, is that like he's been very inconsistent the last couple of years. And like last year was a contract year, right? And then now he's 31 and he, like he, apparently he wants like a six year deal, six to seven year deal. So I think a lot of teams are kind of hesitant on that, which is why he's kind of like the second priority behind Yoshi. There's also yeah. talk that the Angels are in on Blake Snell, too. So it'll it'll be interesting to see, you know, where Blake Snell goes. But I do think that the Giants probably have a leg up because, A, they have a pitcher's park, so it's it's very friendly to pitchers. I think pitchers want to pitch in, in AT&T Park. And then, B, the Giants have a shit ton of money, too. like, And they're not really spending on anyone. Even though they keep trying to sign guys, just no one wants to fucking play there. So we'll So
1: see. this is this is this is my uh hypothesis. So if the Yanks the if the Yanks land Yoshi or Blake Snell, because I do think one of them truly ends up in New York, um there's a lot of talk of a Jordan Montgomery Yankees uh reunion. So uh I think I think if they end up getting Blake Snell, and don't get Yoshi. I think it's gonna be end up being a package deal. I, I think they end up getting Blake.
0: oh. Oh, you there. Yeah, I'm here, Jordan. Okay. That was my internet at that time. I fucking skipped. No, what I was saying
1: is I I do think Jordan Montgomery may end up in New York as well. So I think I see a reunion in the history for them in the uh, foreseeable future for them. Uh, So I, you know, I could e- I could easily see him being Yoshi and Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. But I think Jordan Montgomery ends up back in New York, too. It's
0: a good get, dude. Especially, like, he's not going to cost nearly as much either. So, that'll be good. Um, I mean, I think I think it's, uh, you know, the Yankees are still, like, 10-1 to 1 to win the World Series. I think that's not a bad price, to be honest. You know, because if things go right and, like, they just stay healthy, I think they have a legit shot. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, so... We'll see. I fucking hate the Yankees though, so hopefully they suck. <laughs> That's right. Um anything else, AK, before we get out of here? now the only
1: question I got for you, Jordan, is where's Cody Bellinger going? Blue Jays. Really? That's interesting. Okay, yeah, I like that. I think he goes to the Blue Jays. He they've, could add the bat they need. That's the bat they need to, to kind of fix their runners and scoring position
0: problem. They've been needing a left handed bat too so bad. You know, they yeah. they thought Varsho was the answer. He wasn't, um, but they got to get a left-handed back because you got uh, Springer, Bozo Bichette, and um, what's his name? Uh, Vlad. Vlad, they're all righties, so you got to get a yep. lefty in there, dude. They need a lefty bad. So I yep. I definitely think he goes there. Shout out to our buddy Andrew McGinnis. Yep, big Blue Jays fan. That's it. Have you been watching any uh, pucks?
1: Oh, have not been following the pucks, Jordan. Uh, no pucks for AK.
0: <laughs> After that Coyotes
1: game, one day I'll have some vivas and tell the viewers the story of AK and pucks. And <laughs> it's, it's not a great memory. <laughs> the zigzag theory. <laughs> it's not a great. It's not a great uh, memory that I like to talk about a lot.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot! Pucks, man. I, I I tell Ben all the time because he's like. He's like, man, but, like, this team, like, all the data lined up. I was like, bro, that rubber thing bounces whatever fucking way it wants, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's a good question to ask Ben on this show because uh, AK doesn't stay within the nets. If it's a net, I don't want anything to do with it. Soccer, um, hockey, lacrosse. I'm not handicapping men's, uh, you know, professional uh, lacrosse. The Premier so. League. I think I'm all set on, on there on the goals. So no goals for AK.
0: We got uh, We got the Australian Open coming up in a month, AK. Now, now I do I do like I do like the we're back to rackets yeah I do like some
1: rackets man'll I'll get involved in rackets I just feel like I feel like to do rackets the right way Jordan and especially if you're going to do all these like smaller tournaments and everything you you basically have to be so locked in and you can't work like I feel like with tennis in some sports, we say, oh, don't worry about the line movement or whatever. But, like, with tennis, with the line movements, like, I feel like you can just chase steam and, like, net a profit
0: with it. Yeah, a lot of times you can. Um, <clears throat> especially with the smaller tournaments, for sure. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's not a ton of action going in. But um, I will give you a good tennis future for next okay. year. Okay. Yannick Sinner to win a major. Oh, yeah, I like Sinner. Yeah, yeah. He's he's winning a major next year. He's he, I think he... I think honestly I might we might have to take a future on him to win the Australian Open cuz he ended the year so strong like he ended the year very strong. I think he has a good start to the year. However, I do think Carlos Alcaraz like you know there's questions about his – like he had some injuries that he didn't really talk about that people were saying that he had to end the year. He probably comes back a little bit. Yeah, and there was some
1: talk about like I guess the old like for the love of the game thing like you know cuz he was so young he got into it. And yeah. uh, you know, once he got hurt and everything, there was there were some questions there, man. But see, once again, that's what tennis like you have to be so dialed in. Um, we've definitely seen with some of these tournaments, even the bigger tournaments, it's like who really wants to be there, who wants to do it, who wants to win. So Joker always um, wants to
0: win. We know that.
1: That guy, you never have to worry about motivation with Joker. Like, seriously,
0: you don't have to worry about him at all. Yeah, but I, I think the same thing can be said for like Yannick Center. Like you, you can see the passion in that dude, like mm-hmm. when he plays. I also think Holger Rune. He's an up and coming guy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Ben Shelton, up and coming American. I think he's going to be a force. I still American. like Tiafo too. Yeah, he. I just said uh, he's falling behind, dude. Yeah, I think. Well, he was guy. always
1: really good on clay. You always have to follow him on clay.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've seen his peak though. We have, yeah. yeah.
1: Like like what it was is like what it was, if that makes sense.
0: I think the same thing about Tommy Paul too. You know, I, I think we've yeah. seen the best of Tommy I was Paul. never high on Tommy Paul. Yep. That was, you know, you remember me and you kind of talked about him before. I was I never I never latched on to that one. Yep. I think the guys I'm highest on coming into this year, Yannick Center, Holger Roon, uh Ben Shelton, I think he's gonna have a big year. And then obviously you got like Medvedev. I think he's a great player. Uh, Sissapos, yeah. I think is Sissapos had a great end of his season too. I think he's gonna continue on. A lot of people say like, a lot of people say he's like too obsessed with his girlfriend. <laughs> like he puts his girlfriend over tennis. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I I don't get involved in all that, but that's what people that's what the rumor is. But uh, yeah, I mean I I'm I'm high on those guys coming in the next year, dude. I think they're gonna have a big big year, especially Yannick Sinner, man. I Yannick Sinner is winning a major next year, Ak. Love that. He's absolutely winning a major. Can't wait to break down some rackets next year. And golf. Yeah, great. that's
1: that was what I was keeping in the back of my. That's what I kind of was thinking. I love you know me. I when I have time to handicap golf, I love it. Yeah. Just feel like last year, like <clears throat> started off really well with then I was doing really well with golf, but um, kind of just got busy there. And and golf's another one of these things, man. If you don't have time to grind and really watch every hole really i mean you know almost you know if you don't have to sit there and 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 commit a thursday to sunday you know from 6 a.m to 6 p.m to watch it it's hard to
0: handicap it like no one can really say you're really handicapping it unless you're watching it i'll i'll push back on that i'll say that's one sport where you don't have to watch a single fucking hole dude because the data like you do man but but A.K. that data because there's very, there's very, there's not so much variance because it's one guy, it's one guy's data. So you don't have to worry about like a team around him. Yeah. And then it's the course. So it's really, you're only handicapping the golfer, the course and the weather. Those three things is all, is all you're putting together.
1: Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like if you're betting like round matchups, I feel like that's uh something you gotta be watching. I just, that's just me. I just feel like I get a feel for it better. Yeah. Um, you know, we were betting round matchups, but, uh, and I know I, I never really I kind of tailed you on a lot of those like uh uh tournament long matchups. Um, you know, me when I handicapped it, I was really capping like top where I found an edge, it's a lot of value on like top 20 and top 30 finishes. Like right. you said, course history, things like that. Um, but also you can you can really hop in and I think there's an edge with live betting, like those top 30 finishers too. Yeah. Um, the problem is you run into it's it's hard to get a lot down on stuff like that. Yeah. But if you can find a, pl- a book that'll really let you get down on that,
0: I think there's definitely an edge there. Yeah, that's a good point. I think like I I like round matchups. I never play first round matchups because I like to watch. I like to see what happens in the first round and then kind of bet the round matchups there for because a lot of times you'll see a guy like he'll have the fucking career round, dude. Like he'll shoot like a sixty four. And it's like, okay, you know he's not shooting a sixty four again. So it's like, Yeah, it was what Tom Kim like shot like a 34. Or something it's just, just like just stupid. stupid numbers, dude. And then, but yeah, you can come back the next day and fade that golfer because you, you and I know like the odds of him shooting back to back rounds like that is like, so like rare. Oh, it's
1: a million to one almost. I mean, really, it's, it's true. It is.
0: So you Especially could actually, if he's never done it before, right? Yeah. So you, you could find a ton of value. Although, You know, last year, at the end of the year, I faded uh, Glover a few times because I'm like, yeah, there's no way this motherfucker keeps doing it. And he did it for like four weeks in a row, dude. It's like, all right, at what point do I just fucking stop fucking betting against this motherfucker? (laughs) You know, because he just kept, he kept shooting career highs four weeks in a row. It was like, he got better, 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 you know, for a 50 something or 40 something year old. That's not very, that's rare. Very rare. Hey Jordan, real quick before we get off,
1: uh, my buddy Nick's gonna come probably come on with us next week. So excited to have him on. Um, him and Trig were at a Turning Stone for the opening of the book the other night. They did like a six and a half hour live stream there. Man, the book's beautiful. Uh, can't wait to be there in March again. And I know we don't talk a lot about NFL on this show, but um, I'll, I'll make this really short and quick. Yeah, I think the I, I think the spot. If you're going to back the boys, I think the Cowboys smash the Dolphins. 425 Eastern time this coming Sunday. I think it's the Christmas Eve present to the Dolphins. An ass beating.
0: This is the notebook right here, AK. Okay. This is from our show last night. Ben, best bets. Dallas, Dallas, Irv. Best bet, Dallas. Jordan. <laughs> best bet, Dallas.
1: And full transparency, I've not listened to the show or talked to anybody about that. So there you go. Yeah,
0: yeah we we all like Dallas. I I hundred percent agree with with you. I think this is the bounce back spot. And like we were saying, like they're not good on the road. However, where they really struggle on the road is in on natural grass. Well, Miami doesn't play on yep. natural grass. You know, and they don't play in bad weather. You know, Miami's nice. <laughs> and let's be
1: honest: did the the Cowboys? They came off the three game homestand where they took care of business, right? Yep. I don't think that can be debated. Did they really care about going up to cold Buffalo? And and if you watched that game, it was a monsoon for a lot of that game. Oh, I it was, mean, it was, it was pouring ugly. rain. Yeah. Did they really want to be there? I mean, let's be honest. And and I know it's crazy to say that in a year or two that that it's gone the NFL's gone from buffalo being a good big game where where somebody could be you know um looking ahead to it or 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 or, or, or all that buffalo's almost a team that's getting looked past right now right because of how much they struggled early on in the year trust me the only thing the cowboys were thinking about was my god we got to get through that this sunday because we're going to go to fucking miami <laughs> right Yep. Play in front of national television on Fox, just like the cow. We the Cowboys love to do, and we're going to go smash the Dolphins on live TV and show them for the frauds that they really are. So, um,
0: and the Dolphins still haven't beat a good team. <laughs> nope. And on and, top and of that, they have two. Both their tackles are injured, and I think the Cowboys. And if you watch the Dolphins and when they struggle, they struggle when two is under pressure. I'm telling you right now, the and, Cowboys are going to get a ton of pressure and I hate to say this because I, I, I never think a wide receiver can make this big of a
1: difference on a team. Tyreek being out has changed that offense, and there's still talk that Tyreek's not 100% healthy. So, um, I think he plays I'm think i well, I'm sure he plays, but is he 100% healthy? Yeah. Um, and, and my other thing is, man, it's kind of wild to see a wide receiver mean that much to his team. Like, just off the top of my head in recent history, I can't think of one that – that really meant
0: that much, right? Um, he's probably the MVP he, if you actually take the sense of the word most valuable player. Like, he's probably the most valuable player to his team. 100%, yep. Um, and so, anyways, uh, I like the Cowboys this weekend. Yes. Damn, it's going to be a full squad ride. Yep. We all like Dallas. What could go wrong?
1: I know, right? But, see, <laughs> I feel like I had a good beat on him. Like, I played Buffalo last week. Um Played hold on, I'm drawing a blank here. Seattle. Cowboys. Um played Seattle. No, I played San Francisco against the Eagles yep. two weeks ago, right? Yep. And so I had a good read there. Played the Cowboys against the Eagles. Then played the Bills against the Cowboys. So I feel like I've had this just a feed locked in on them, right? And I and I, I feel like we continue that with Dallas Cowboys plus one and a half on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I agree. I was on Buffalo. That was one of my best bets last week. I love that bet. Um for full transparency, this guy on all the NFL shows the last 3 weeks, 6 and 0 best bets. This guy. That's getting after me. Congratulations. That's huge. So, I feel like I've uh feel you like have a good handle on the the football season now. I think things have kind of settled down and I've reevaluated things. Um and we're not seeing like Total chalk plays just fucking smash out right now, which like, you know, I don't ever do. However, I do think another good play this week is uh Eagles minus eleven against the Giants. I think they fucking kill the Giants, dude. Full transition. Yeah, yeah. My uh my good buddy C
1: T uh talked me into the Saints this past weekend. So totally his play. Um and I tailed it and it was easy winner so the wheels are always going to fall off for DeVito I mean no offense but DeVito wasn't great by any means at Syracuse so it was always going to fall off you know yeah. I feel like we always go through that magic like um, uh, we saw Josh Dobbs yeah. right felt like the Lynn Sanity uh, of the NFL so yeah. uh, you're the backup quarterback man that's when me and Trigg have done this NFL season as we had a ride from Richmond to Hampton the other day talked a lot about a lot of things of course all sports related and we how talked far about is Hampton from you Uh, Hampton for me is about three hours. Um, Richmond Richmond for me is about two hours. So I drove to Richmond airport, picked trig up and then we drove an hour and 10 minutes south to Hampton. So, um, AK was on the road all day. Uh, trig probably felt uncomfortable driving, riding with me because in my truck I had my phone on my dash, uh, grinding out the Rafford game. I I was on Rafford minus four and a (laughs) half and uh, I'm, like, swerving between, like, eight lanes of traffic in Hampton, Uh, you know, people Christmas shopping the week before Christmas Eve and fucking million people on the road, and I'm just (laughs) swerving in and out of traffic, grinding this rafter game. Luckily, one, it was one of those things where uh, we were uh, up by four, had to come – no, no, I lied. I'm sorry. It was – we were up by five, got fouled, made both foul shots, Went up by seven and it was 4.8 seconds left. And I said, I cannot wait for them to go down the freaking court and hit a three and dagger me with a three because I had minus five and a half. Right. So we're up by seven at this point. We hit both foul shots. I only needed one foul shot to cover. Um, And so, um, you know, I got both of them. So up by seven. And I said, I cannot wait. For somebody to come down here and dagger, or maybe it was up by eight. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. It was up by eight. It was six. That's right. I was already covering. He sticks both free throws, and I said, okay, I'm up by eight. The only way I can get daggered is with a three, and won't you know it, they came right down the freaking court, Bucknell did, and spotted up for a three. And, I mean, it was the wide open – because they weren't going to foul. So, they were just yeah. letting him shoot the three. And he had a shot, and it freaking rims out. If not, me and Trick
0: may have crashed the truck on in Hampton Roads. Oh, my God, dude. That is uh, – <laughs> good thing they didn't. Good thing they didn't. All right. So, before we get out of your best bets, we both like Cowboys for sure. I like that. Bet. Yep. What else do you like this weekend? Is that, it? Is that all you have right now? Um. So, hold on, let me check something real quick in
1: college football. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be on again before this game is played. So, give me one second.
0: Which one? The do game?
1: No, SMU. I can't remember if SMU plays Wednesday or Thursday. They play. Oh, it's Wednesday. Okay, Thursday. So, they play Thursday. Yep. so I'll save that one for Wednesday. But, yep, so far, uh, Cowboys plus one and a half, best bet for 8K. Um As always, I'll tweet out anything I play, but believe it or not, sometimes I like the really, really ugly ones just like you do, and I am very close to playing Duke, and it's ugly. It is not pretty. I don't advise tailing it because you will hate <laughs> your life for three and a half hours.
0: <laughs> you said i advise you not to tail it. It's uh, a low total
1: too, man. Some points are going to be at a premium, so you match a low total. Yeah. You
0: know, I always like being on the dog in a low total. So. Yeah, it's always a uh... – it's always a good spot, usually. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, this is our last show before Christmas, so I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Have a happy holiday. Be safe. Um, make sure to download the Sharps app to your mobile device, S-H-A-R-P-Z, straight to your mobile device. Use promo code JORD517. It's free. Track your bets, become a better, better. Follow AK on Twitter at AKSports90. Follow myself at Jordan Rules TSP. Follow the podcast at Taproom underscore Sports. You can follow us on Instagram at Taproom Sports Podcast. We'll see y'all later. We'll see y'all next week. Uh, go Cowboys! I can't believe we're saying that, but uh, go Cowboys! And uh, we'll see y'all later. Merry Christmas! We out. Thank you, Jordan. Have a good Christmas, guys. Peace. Street it's coming at night. is flying through the sky so high. I should be making a list. I know I'm gonna be under the mistletoe. Shotty with you. you Shotty with